It is your money, and we are happy to have you with us as we are each and every week. want to remind you before we get going here, if you have a question and you want to write this down because maybe you can't get to it this morning, it's one eight 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 six advice That is the number to reach out and call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Wealth Enhancement Group. And then you can also email your questions at any time to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But we have the next, well, hour or so together. And if you're listening at any point in the hour, you can call 651-461-9226. Now here is Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor, Peg Webb. Hello, Peg. Good morning, Susie. How are you? I'm Bruce good. Has got the day off. Yeah, I... Bruce has got the day off today. Okay. Uh, that, actually, that actually created a, a huge opportunity for uh, myself in that I uh, maybe I twisted his arm, but uh, Preston Koenig, who's one of my team members, senior vice president and advisor um, out of Minnesota, he actually is a CFP, which stands for Certified Financial Planner and has an MBA. But a little bit about Preston before I have him speak. Um, Preston loves working with families uh, to assess their situation. As a financial advisor, he's really quick to recognize their needs and work with them and then, you know, build the wealth for life. And I don't know, Preston is just a natural when it comes to finding out what is it that clients want. And then a big item that he's excellent at is creating income for the rest of their life. So, Preston's been uh, on my team for 10 plus years in Wealth Enhancement Group, but he also has a passion for educating his clients and kind of guiding them through their life. So I think you're a perfect guest today, Preston, because the topic uh, is replacing income in retirement. So welcome. Hello, good morning. Thank you, Peg and Susie. And uh, it's it's fun to be here. And it, you're right. It is a topic that I think is, is kind of a fundamental thing when it comes to retirement for people and something that I'm passionate about. And I think that, that we do a, a really good job of that uh, and, and making that important. Yeah. So last week, um, Bruce and I actually reviewed getting ready for retirement. And and we had five items that we quickly discussed in the short time that we had, but retirement goals, clear eye about your health, um, getting tax ready, maybe being debt free, and talking a little bit about Social Security. So today, we truly just want to focus on replacing income in retirement. And that actually is, is probably the number one um, use of our roundtable that you and I use a lot, meaning, you know, how do we create these paychecks for life? And so what I thought we'd do is we would first just kind of talk about what are some of the key factors when you need to consider about generating income? Hopefully, it's not your day that you're walking out of your job that you're starting to think about this, but how do you gener- generate income for life? So let's just talk about a few risks that are out there. Right. And so, so certainly when we look at that, uh, something that we'll sit down with our clients and discuss really is, is what their goals are and, and the important things that they have in, in their life. But one of the first things we have to address is, is their longevity. How, how long are we going to need these funds to last for? And unfortunately, that's an impossible question to answer, right? And, and I always tell our clients, and you've heard me say this, Peg, 
if you could tell me how long you're going to live, this is, ends up being a pretty easy math problem. But we don't know that. So things we try to have our clients think about would be, you know, what 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 is your health and what is the uh, family health and how does that look like? And just trying to get an idea of what we can project to. And if we don't have an idea there, then we use uh, actuarial tables and different things like that. Then we have yeah, to figure kind of interesting. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, that, then Go the ahead. next thing we have to figure in is, is inflation. Uh, and inflation is something that I think there's a group of investors here who've kind of forgotten about, right? We haven't had much of ways of headline inflation for the last 20 years. And so inflation really does affect how your how long your money is going to last for multiple decades. But recently, we've been reminded that that's a factor, and that's something certainly we've heard a lot more uh, concern from clients about in recent uh, recent days. Then we then we could look at uh, public policy, right? Tax rates. Taxes can go up in the future, and that's what a lot of people assume will have to happen due to government debt and so forth, but they also can go down, right? Taxes end up being somewhat political, and that's a changing thing uh, possibly from year to year that we have to navigate. And then I think the last thing certainly in that area of risk would be withdrawal rates, right? Clients come to us all the time asking, well, how much can I take out? And is this sustainable over time? And it might change over time. How do we navigate that? So I think those are all risks that Peg, you and I see quite often. Yeah, it's interesting with the withdrawal rate. It's not just a one-time question. Like when people come in and they interview us as a possible candidate for being their advisors for the rest of their life, they always ask that question. But it never ends. And even when we, um, you know, with their reviews, we we attempt to give them confidence that they're in this zone, that, you know, they're going to be successful. It's just something that we do discuss with them all the time because one of the features that we can give Preston to people who work with us is then once they leave our office that they have the confidence to go live their life. So, so thanks for going over those risk factors. So when we meet somebody, how do we start to, you know, figure out, how much income can we even create for these uh, people? Right, right. Yeah, one of the fundamental things we start with is going, you know, what, what resources do we have to work with, right? And we always ask people to come in with, uh, you know, a good records of, okay, do we have savings, right? And what kind of savings are those? They're most likely going to have retirement uh, accounts at work and such that they have saved up over time, such as like a 401k. They might have uh, IRAs, multiple accounts like that, uh, Roth IRA. So those are all uh, building blocks to this. Then we look at uh, do they have other savings? We call those you know, taxable savings, like brokerage accounts or, or bank savings and that. And then there's other sources of income like guaranteed sources. Most people have Social Security. Some people still have pensions, right? And so those are, are guaranteed sources of income that we can uh, put into the equation. And then there could be insurance benefits as well. And so that's a, a kind of what we have to get our arms around as to what we're working with to move on to that next step. Yeah, it's interesting, Preston, in that when people come to see us, some of them are super organized, right? They're like, this is this, that's that, here you go. Others, we actually, um, the, the interview process is a little bit longer because we're pulling out of them, well, what assets do you have? And um, so it's it, people in general, right? You're either super organized or maybe you're not, but that's okay. 
we um, walk through with everybody, uh, trying to find out what what do they have to create an income for the rest of their lives. So the other thing that's important is uh, keeping in mind how much can you spend? So we already talked about one of the risk factors that the withdrawal rate would be one of the risk factors, right? How can, what rate can you sustain over a long period of time? Well, now we've gathered their assets, but now they want to create this uh, paycheck. And what we've witnessed and mentioned last week is it's not like a straight line in retirement. You've got your go-go years, you've got your slow-go years, and then you've got your no-go years we talked about last week. So let's address a little bit about that spending. Right, right. And it's something that we see all the time. And, and uh, Peg, you know as well as I do that we can come up with a wonderful retirement income plan, have it all on paper. And then a year later, clients will call up and say, guess what? We found the perfect condo in Florida and we want to buy that. Now what do we do? Right. So <laughs> so it can right. change drastically and we have to pivot. Right. But what I think is, is wonderful about having an income plan like that is that it helps you then confidently make those decisions. Is this okay? Will we be able to do this? If we do this, what does it replace that we can't do maybe in our plan, right? And so that's something that I think is just so important for us to be able to give confidence to, to our clients that they can make decisions with confidence and know that it's not going to ruin their entire plan. But as we see spending, I think you're absolutely right. You've said for years, these go-go years, right? People retire right away. They want to go and do those things on their bucket list have fun, go on trips while they're healthy and can do it. And uh, if, if they can, I really encourage it. You know, we see all sorts of things with lots of different families and what can happen. And when they are healthy and can do it, we encourage them to enjoy this money that they work so hard for. Uh, but obviously, we also have to establish a budget knowing that other unforeseen events can come along. So, yes, maybe they slow down some in their 80s and don't travel as much because a lot of that bucket list is crossed off and they purchase the big items they want to. But then, of course, we see one of the highest inflation-affected areas for retirees is healthcare spending. And whether that be just regular healthcare or that be long-term care that I know has been spoken about on the show many times, boy, those areas can really put a uh, dent in, in your retirement income and can be very unpredictable as well. So we have to plan really for all of that. You know, I wanted to mention, Preston, um, probably one of the toughest parts of our job is when we have to tell people, no, no, you can't afford that Florida place, or no, you can't raise your income, or here's the ramifications of doing that. I still today, I have such a hard time telling people because it's disappointing, right? But as advisors, what I found over the decades I've been doing this, and I'm sure you have too, Preston, is that sometimes advisors will just let people spend because it's a tough thing to do to say no. And sometimes, and I've lost clients because I said, no, you can't do that. No. So you know what they did? They just went to someone who agreed with them. Well, does that really help you if you're hiring somebody, you know, to keep you on track and, and um, you know, be able to re be, have a resource, you know, while you're going through this, these spending phases? Uh, so, Preston I, Preston, I thought I'd just bring that up because that's a hard part of our job. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. And, and you and I have had those conversations with different clients. And I think back to those and, and remember that, that it is hard. It, it's a hard one. But what we say a lot of times to our, our new potential clients is that we're the kind of firm who's not afraid to tell you that it's too much or it's not going to work. Right. And if you don't want somebody in your life like that, and I equate it a lot to, you know, a personal trainer with your health or a doctor, you know, they're going to tell you when you shouldn't be doing something. And we're going to do the same thing. That's our professional obligation. And we're going to tell you the why and educate you. And everything really comes down to choices. And so we'll give you choices, but we want you to know that this is going to affect your plan. And I think that one of the ways we can tie that back for, for people is to go back to those initial conversations we have about what is what does your retirement look like? What do you want it to look like? What do you want to spend on? What Where are your priorities? And everybody has different ones. Certainly there are some commonalities with a lot of people, but we've got to talk a little bit about their budget in retirement. And it, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You have to figure out where the income's going to come from and how you're going to manage that. And so one of the things I like to have uh, initial retirees talk about, or certainly people who are thinking of retiring soon, is what does life cost you right now? You know, and a lot of people don't know that. And I think, Peg, you would agree that when, when they come in, they're not real sure sometimes what they spend, right? Right, yeah. We kind of have to pull it out of them and, and uh, give them a little homework to go uh, through their checking account or their um, online accounts to see what it is. And then, Preston, the other thing is, is when people anticipate retiring, um, they they tend to try to spend a lot while they're working, right? They want to replace their deck or they're just on a mission to try to get all these big expense things done and then they'll retire. Um, the other point I want to make is we, we work with a lot of couples and they don't ask, actually agree sometimes. So we're not just talking to one person about spending and budgeting and you know what you want your money to do. Um, we're talking to two different people, and that actually can get a little dicey sometimes because they they want things that are different. But ultimately, we get to a plan where you know they can merge uh, their wishes and wants nicely. <clears throat> and then once again, the the plan doesn't get dipped in gold and sit on a shelf. It's something that you and I continue to work with them you know, on an annual basis to make sure that we're on track. Um, other things uh, when it comes to retirement income planning. Yeah, well, I would say that, you know, that's a great point. I want to stress that is that, that the spouses may come in and not agree, right? And I had a client just last week who said, you know what, my wife would like to put all this money underneath the mattress and really not spend any. And he's saying to me, I understand that we have to have this grow because, you know, remember, your retirement might be 30, 40 years long, and that is a long, long time. So creating income over that expanse, we have to come to an agreement there. Uh, but we do try to make both comfortable with the plan. So I think that's that's a key point, Peg, and I'm glad, glad that you brought that up. Um, other areas, though, that we have to really think about once we have that all in place is, you know, spending and budget. But then what about estate planning? Right? Do you want to leave a legacy with this money? And how important is that to you? And so what does that look like? Right? And that's something that, that's a, kind of a harder subject because, again, you're thinking about this as, you know, you could pass away in five years and what's that legacy look like, or it could be 40 years. And so 
we help our clients change that. And I would say that's an area that, that changes over time as to how much and who you want to leave it to and so forth. So that's something there. And then I can't, uh, I, I can't mention retirement planning, I think, without talking about taxes. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But uh, trying to figure out how efficiently to use this money in the, in the uh, tax code that we're currently in and that we may be in in the future is also important. Wouldn't you agree, Peg? Well, taxes matter in everything you do, and I've been saying that for decades. And when it comes to, you know, having a predictable income, you know, just figuring out, like, how much of my Social Security is going to get taxed, how much of my pension is going to get taxed. If I pull money out of this bucket or that bucket, how is that going to get taxed? So there's there's a lot that goes into um financial planning and especially around income planning. Then Preston, we have all these rules we have to follow. This is the part that I think is very difficult is I can't possibly remember all the rules. You and I, you know, help each other on our team, but then we've got the round table that we can go to because, you know, now the required minimum distributions on um, inherited IRA is different because they changed everything with the secure. I mean, they're constantly changing everything. So one of the things that um, I think is important is that if you're listening to this show, it's not easy to just create a paycheck, which I think a lot of people think it is. But it is complex. And I like what you brought up, that taxes matter. Um, so audience, you know, if, if you are concerned about creating a paycheck for the rest of your life and you'd like to get a second opinion, I mean, you're not alone. There's so many people out there wondering, how much could I spend? And I think as you get older, we don't know how long we're going to live. So then we'd love to we'd love to be able to do the math and say, OK, if I've got 20 years, let me just divide the money I have today by 20 years and I'll be good. Well, that doesn't leave a legacy for your children, but maybe that's not a priority. Today, if you have a question um, about retirement income, maybe how we, uh, you know, calculate that, you can call our text, call or text our studio line um, now. Um, Susie usually mentions this, but Wealth Enhancement Group said, hey, just 651-461-9226. We'd love to get, you know, um, you involved. Now, on the back side of this um, half, we're going to go a little bit deeper dive into what's called your money matrix. And if you're a, a listener, you know, every week or, or maybe monthly, you're going to hear your money matrix, which is actually a cash flow template that we use that is on one piece of paper that actually can reflect your goals, your dreams, and then put it into numbers. And so it helps especially, uh, you know, you don't have 10 different pieces of paper with trying to figure out your income. It's all on one. Um, We don't have a lot of time, Preston, yet on the first half, but do you have anything to kind of wrap up what we talked about in in the first half? Yeah, I think it's just important to remember that, uh, you know, this is a plan that we want to work with you to to develop over time. It's going to be changing as we go. But it's important, I think, to have one because those folks who come to us who have a plan for retirement income seem to feel better, enjoy retirement more, and know that they can adapt to any changes that come up. Yeah, and even if you don't have one, 
um, I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are that are saying, well, where do I get help? So I, I like to mention, you know, wealthenhancement.com because I believe that our website is very good. And under insights, there's something called ebooks. And ebooks, there's several topics there, but one is called the reality check, creating income for life. So if you want a basis for a start and get educated on how to create that income, then that would be a great resource place to go. There also is um, webinars and events that we have ongoing all the time, and that also is listed under there if you're interested. So Susie, I know we're running out of time, and I would love to get listeners involved on the back half. Okay, that sounds great. Let's offer this opportunity to them. The number to call is 651-461-9226. If you're listening and you're right in the middle of it, thinking about retiring and wanting to make sure all your ducks are in a row, I listened very carefully the last two weeks because I'm exactly in this spot where there's a lot of questions about how much to take out, not to get in the wrong tack tax bracket, so you owe a lot of money. So good to have someone on your side. The number again, 651-461-9226. You can use that number to call in and we can get your question right on the air. You can also use that number to text in, 651-461-9226. It is your money and it is your turn to jump in and be part of the show this morning. 651-461-9226. We have, of course, senior financial advisor with Wealth Enhancement, Peg Webb. And we have also with us on the, as a special guest, Preston Kooning. And we're talking about making sure you're ready to retire, making sure you have your ducks in a row. And let me tell you, Peg, there are some questions. So if you want, I'll just jump right in or if you want to recap, We'll just pause, have you recap, and then we'll get to the questions. Yeah, just in case uh, some listeners have just joined us, Preston Koenig is um, a team member of mine. He's a senior vice president and financial advisor. He is a certified financial planner and and has an MBA. Uh, Preston works with individuals, uh, families, recognizes, you know, their situation, what kind of comprehensive plan do they need. Um, He creates their long-term wealth and then also is very great at creating paychecks for all these people. He's been with Wealth Enhancement Group over a decade. Uh, He's located in Minnesota and so uh, happy to have him. In the first half, Preston and I actually just went over, you know, some of the key risk factors when you're trying to create income for life out of you know, you've already saved some money. You probably have saved in your work plan. Maybe you open some brokerage accounts. Maybe you have some cash in the bank. But then there's other factors that could maybe torpedo your vision or your plan. So one of the things we talked about was, you know, how do you build those blocks to create income? And then how do you make sure that you're not spending more than you should? Or maybe you're spending less than you could. Um, and also, do you have a vision as to what retirement looked like. And I'm a visionary, so when I talk to people, I, I mean, even when they tell me their situation and what they are gonna do, whether they're gonna buy a house in Florida or Arizona, or they wanna travel once a year with their whole family and their kids, I already have these pictures already in my brain as to, well, that sounds fun. And some people are not visionary. So we help them you know, talk about well, how do you create that vision? And then once again, if there's two people, you know, uh, then you might not have the same vision. 
And so helping, uh, sometimes I think that we should have a psychology degree, but we help people, you know, try to create this income for life. So what I'd like to do, because I'd love to get listeners involved, Susie, let's start by taking some of those um, listeners who want to get their questions answered. All right. We'll just start with the first one. This listener jumped in early, about 25 minutes ago. It's a little on topic, maybe a little off. Please explain the five-year rule for Roth conversions. I am considering doing this and a few more years. Also, I'll be 69 in June to either of you. Yes. Yes. Well, in the beginning of the show, I I talked about all the rules that Preston and I and all the financial advisors at Wealth Enhancement Group, including our roundtable, we have to follow all these rules, right? And so, and they're detailed and complex. It would be one thing if they had the rule and it was they rule forever, right? But they keep changing it. So when it comes to this five-year rule um, on conversions, Preston, do you want to highlight a couple things that you must do and think about when you're going to do a Roth conversion? Right, yeah. Roth conversions are a very powerful tool, of course, in financial planning. Uh, and when you do something like that, you have to go by the rules that they, they provide. And, of course, the IRS is not going to give you everything just for free, right? So in doing that process, what we mean by Roth conversion, maybe for those listeners who aren't sure what that is, that means taking maybe IRA money, taking it out of the IRA, paying the tax on it, the income tax at that point, putting it into a Roth and letting it grow tax-free from there and out. And that's the simple way to explain it. But, of course, the rules are that once the money goes in there, it has to stay in for a certain amount of time. And that's a little bit what the listener is referring to there with that five-year rule. Uh, The money that you put in that's your principal, kind of the money that you've already paid tax on, well, that money can come out basically at any time. But the growth, that's the part that's tax-free. That's the part that there's rules on when and how you can use that. So it's, it's pretty detailed for the, for the answers to go into all of that, and there's different exceptions and, and so forth. But, again, when, when somebody asks me that as a, as a client, for example, I start the conversation by saying, well, why are we doing this? Like, why do you want to do this? What is the, the reason behind it? Because, and I think maybe if the listener said they were 69, well, maybe this is a legacy play that they're trying to do, right? And so then we get into kind of the structuring of that whole thing to decide, you know, would the five-year rule in this case maybe even ever matter? It might not, right? And that's the kind of things we get into, Peg, I think, that help uh, really dive into those details and, and figure out what we're doing. Yeah, I also believe, I like what you said about the principle isn't taxed. Um, when you do a, a Con, there's a couple different things here because when you do a contributory Roth and, you know, right now if you're under a certain amount of income, you can deposit a contributory Roth and you can put in 7500 now if you're over 50 years old. Well, you're taking then after-tax money and you're putting it into a Roth and then you get to grow that tax-free. That has nothing to do with this five-year rule. This is what Preston mentioned. You might have an IRA already that's fully taxable because you haven't paid tax on it. And now you'd like to exchange it or convert it to a Roth IRA. There's where all the rules are. And the IRS came up with this five-year rule where you can't just flip it and then be able to take the money out um, in a short period of time. So, um, 
Susie. Okay, very good. Uh, 651-461-9226. If you have a question for Peg, another texter writes today, is it foolish to keep $20,000 in my rainy day fund at home these days? I guess foolish oh, is a, <laughs> foolish is kind of a harsh word, but what were, if this person has 20000 what should they do with it? Well, I think the, the part that well, got me at the end, Susie, was where you said at home, right? Should people right. have a rainy day fund? And then, at, and then at the last minute, you said at home. Preston? Yeah, I, I, I heard that too, Peg. And, and so I would say that if you do have it at home, certainly make sure it's in something that uh, like a fireproof safe or, or something like that so you're not losing hard cash. Uh, but what I would say too is we, we were getting this question a lot from people now because of the fact that interest rates have changed so drastically over the last 10 plus months. Right before everybody had cash in the bank and it wasn't making anything, but they really didn't have another opportunity. And, and so we just didn't talk about it as much. But now that you can get a decent interest rate on, on safe savings and money markets and CDs and so forth, everybody's asking us, what should I put in there to get this to work? But also I need a, a savings or emergency funds at home. You add to that some of the recent bank difficulties that have been in the news, and, and people are saying, well, gee, maybe I should have money at home because maybe I don't trust the bank as much. And so uh, I think that's a, a, when, when, when the texter said that uh, $20,000, well, it's all relative, I think, to what your situation is. So that's something that we help people with, to decide what is reasonable to have as emergency savings, liquid cash they can get to at any point, and, and what amount can we get working for them and and really return something for them interest-wise that they may not otherwise get? Yeah, I like what you said, Preston, because you're right. The headlines in the news, uh, not only have people been asking me if they should, you know, take some cash and, and not have it in an institution like they're accustomed to doing, but I'm also getting the question about gold again. And what and it ties together, right, that people want to have something that – and some of the clients are saying, you know, I want to be able to trade for food. Like they're that concerned about what's happening. I would say that's more the outliers, yet I am getting more questions about that. Do I believe that the banking system is solid, you know, for us? Yes. Do I believe that the institutions, you know, like the Charles Schwab and the Fidelities and where we have our money, are they solid? Yes. Can I say on the show, never say never? Well, you know, I I understand. And that's where I think, Preston, you and I are great in that we have empathy, you know, for clients that are asking about these things. And we don't just take one minute to say, oh, everything's going to be fine. You know, they want some girth to the answer. And um, but we we do believe that the the way we have things now and the FDIC that that is tied to banks, that you have a certain amount of insurance, you know, with the federal government, we believe that that is solid. Susie. Okay, six, five, one, four, six, one, nine, two, two, six. Hello there, Jim here. How do you determine if a person should take their pension as an annual as an annuity or lump sum, we have a good amount of savings already. This is kind of a general question. Uh, I actually have a pension too, and that's a for the people that do. That's a good question. Uh, your thoughts? 
Oh, that's an excellent question. And Preston, you deal with this all the time. I really do. And, and I and I always give a few examples when it comes to this. And of course, you know, individual situations, again, are going to vary. And we have to really go through that with you to determine what's best for you. But just a couple uh, variables that can, can be considered. One is I have uh, many clients who are single, right? And so with their pensions, a lot of times if they take that annual pension annuity, they may not have the option to, to name a beneficiary. Right. And if that's the case, then a lot of them say, gee, if I take that lump sum of, of money that I can get from this pension and put it in an IRA or something, well, then I have control of that money and I can and, uh, name beneficiaries as I, I feel fit. So that's one consideration. The other one is some people are, are worried about their company they work for. Right. They think, well, gee, I don't know if they're going to be an ongoing concern for years and years. And, and I, I just don't trust that the company is going to do well and so forth. Well, that may be another reason then to, to take that money as a lump sum. But I often use my father-in-law as an example of somebody who, who worries about the markets a lot, right? It adds just stress to his life. And so in his situation, having that pension payment, that monthly income he can count on, we know exactly what it's going to be. It helps with the budgeting and so forth. That was a great selection for him. So one thing just to note is that the value you see on your pension statement is going to vary that that lump sum that they talk about depending on the interest rate environment right and as we've seen interest rates change so much in the last couple of years we've seen those values change dramatically too so there's a lot to that it's a huge decision it's typically a decision you make once and you can never change it and so that's where we love to have people come in before that decision and, and we can help educate them you can't change it then preston if once you say you want the ant that you know, it stays just however you can't change it? Yeah, uh, typically for, mo- for I'd say, most pensions. Um, Peg, maybe you could think of a different one. But normally, once you make that decision, it's, it's a final decision. And, it's a big one. Okay. And that, so if you go with lump sum, you get it all at once, and then otherwise you get payments every month. Do most people do the payments every month? You know, I wouldn't say most. I think it really varies uh, with, with the situation. But what I would say is that if you get that lump sum payment, then you're responsible for it, right? <laughs> As the investor and the person who has it, yeah. now you've got to be the one who determines how to grow it and so forth. And so that's where a lot of people then look for, of course, professional help to say, gee, I've got this big bucket of money. How do I create a paycheck that would maybe simulate what I would have gotten with the annual pension payment? Yeah, the other thing that I would add, um, Preston and Susie, is we have something that's called the pension analysis. And so we're able to take that lump sum, compare it to um, an average rate of return that you might earn outside of the pension uh, number, and then uh, try to create that same paycheck and then if you do have a legacy, like, or, you know, a lot of these pensions, uh, if you are joint uh, returns and married, you are able to have the um, spouse, the surviving spouse, you know, you have to make an election. You can either say, I want them to get 50% of my pension. I want them to get 100%. We review that with our clients um, because each kind of family unit is so different in how they think. But what I can tell you is we had a 13-year bull run in the stock market. 
And so some people who took their pension during that time were kind of sad that they took them because had they invested some of it in the bull run, um, now we have interest rates that are much higher and we can uh, secure, you know, higher interest rate for people who may want to take the lump sum. I think it's it sums up to are you a person who likes to take control or are you a person who, you know, would like someone else to have control? Where I kind of have trouble with taking some pensions on some companies is you're talking about sometimes a 30, 40 year distribution plan from that company. Preston kind of highlighted that a little bit too. You know, never say never. I used that on the show already today. You don't know what the future is going to bring. So do you want to control those dollars or do you want someone else to control them? Susie? 651-461-9226. I have a tax question, writes this texter on a Roth conversion. I have a post-tax traditional IRA and a SEP IRA funded by one of my personal companies, which is all pre-tax. If I were to convert my traditional IRA to a Roth, does the IRS make me aggregate the SEP balance with the traditional IRA balance to determine how much of the traditional is going to be taxed? Boy, that's a very complicated question. Maybe it's too (laughs) complicated, but Ken, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, so um, so because we do this every day, Susie, these terms make so much sense to Preston and I, right? But maybe not to the listeners. Okay, good. So, um, Preston, do you want to just highlight what the kind of the question is again, and maybe define some of these acronyms? And then, uh, are they, you know, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there, certainly, but. Uh, essentially, it's a, it goes back to that question we had a little bit earlier about, you know, a conversion from an IRA to a Roth IRA and the, the concept of paying the taxes now and getting them over with, essentially, and having a vehicle that can grow tax-free later on. And so this this uh, question coming from the listener has to do with, with an IRA, regular IRA that many of you are normally used to, and then what we call SEP IRA, which is the other one, which is just a different one that's allowed for maybe people who have smaller companies or, or individual uh, plans on their own. So the tax treatment of those two is, is essentially the same, right? And so in a situation like that, uh, if somebody was retiring, for example, they could just roll all of that into one IRA and, and start there. But IRAs are interesting because there can be different types of tax treatment that we have to be aware of. There's all these different rules. And so then rolling into the Roth, um, you may see some, some uh, aggregation rules that can come up in the IRS code, depending on if it's all in an IRA or if we've got multiple IRAs out there. And, and so it does get pretty complicated. Peg, is there anything else you'd add to that? Yeah, I would agree with you, Preston, that it is complex. I would say for sure, talk to your tax advisor before you do anything in that case. Or if you have a financial advisor, you need to run that by them. Because what I'm finding, Preston, is that clients sometimes do things on their own. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, why did you do that? Because trying to unwind it is almost impossible now, right? It's almost impossible. The IRS has just said, hey, if you've done this, you, you can't redo it. Um, and so we would just say, get get advice. Is there time, Susie, for another Yeah, question? I think so. I think so. 
Uh, this person writes, good morning. I would like to add the person who asked about Roth conversion. Keep in mind the income you have to pay the tax on you might put in. Does that make sense? might put you in a higher tax bracket. That's something mm-hmm. I always worry about because I want – now I'm 60, so I can start using some of my money, right, 59 and a half. I'm still working. This is a you know this is a situation right Peg like so sixty you can you get into your money your four hundred one k at least or whatever buckets but I don't want to take too much that I go into a higher tax bracket and then have to pay more I think that might be what this person's asked talking about but you go ahead uh, Preston we have two minutes yeah well I would say in, in a case like that uh, I, I often start at the beginning with clients. I mentioned that before to say, you know, why are we doing this? What's the intention behind it? But uh, Roth conversions we get asked about all the time. And and higher taxes and that threat of that in the future is something I think on the forefront of most people's minds. And what we try to do there is, is really give sound advice year to year. And what I mean by that is that there are often years where maybe the market's really high and it's, it's elevated like it had been a few years ago. Uh, and that's maybe not the best time to do a Roth conversion because you're paying more tax uh, on a higher value. And so I talked to them about that. Maybe we wait till the markets are down, and that's a tremendous opportunity to do it. The other thing I like to consider, too, is is what their income streams are going to be. And so uh, a year where they have a low income, for example, well, maybe that's a year that we, we try to do it. Or maybe in retirement, after you've retired, we do that. So I, I, I like to remind everyone that you can't usually avoid taxes, but we can really be strategic about how we've set that up over the years. And certainly those years when you retire and move on to Social Security, to required distributions from IRAs, there's a lot of opportunity in those years to do something. Yeah, the only thing I would add is that we have a tax system right now that's sunsetting January 1st of 2026. There is some urgency. If you're in a lower tax bracket um, and you could soak up up to like the 22% bracket and you could afford to convert some of those IRAs into um, after-tax accounts, you would probably want to talk to someone. Um, the market is down from its high. Great time to do Roth conversions because you're going to get more dollars into that Roth. We're going to recover. We just don't know when. And it would be great to have it in the tax-free bucket versus the taxable. Susie? Okay, let's wrap it up. I just want to say that you got a nice compliment from a listener, Preston. He says, uh, my wife and I have been with Preston Quite a few years. Set my retirement date for September with his help. Really appreciate it. So that's a benefit. Uh, uh, nice to hear. So we'll just get that number right. Wealthenhancement.com or one eight 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 six advice Have a great week. Good to talk to you guys.